as a, as a pastor of, of a large church, we, we receive a lot of requests uh, every week uh, for missionaries, missionary initiatives, mission initiatives, and I feel like it's my responsibility uh, to be a good steward and, and kind of a, a guard uh, towards just doing anything and everything and being an a, uh, inch deep and a mile wide. And so we have chosen to really strategically focus and drill down into just a handful of very strategic initiatives. We have missionaries we support all over the globe with boots on the ground, but there are specific organizations that I want to vet. I want to make sure I trust them. I want to make sure that that, uh, they have the same philosophy, that, that we are in alignment. And Convoy of Hope is one of those organizations we have gone all in uh, to support. Uh, they have multiple branches of help from empowering, empowering women uh, to have jobs that, that uh, without it, they won't be able to take care of their kids globally. Uh, they, as you have seen, the disaster relief, they are known across the world for their effective disaster relief and partnership with other local entities. Uh, we're so thankful that uh, one of the team from Convoy of Hope took time to drive down one of the, one of the trucks that, that, that you helped fill for Houston, Texas, and all of the disaster relief that's been going on there and around uh, the Houston area. Uh, but when we talk about Feed One, Feed One is a branch. It's just a, it's one of the entities of Convoy of Hope. And for $10 a day, you can feed a child for the entire month. That is very much unheard of in today's day and age. That kind of small financial investment for that much ministry taking place. We're going to talk more about that at the end. But a couple of years ago, I got the privilege of meeting my friend Michael uh, at uh, on, on a trip to Alaska, actually. And uh, I love this guy. Every uh, every moment I get to hang out with, there's something funnier that he says. There's something em- em- empowering and affirming. This guy's an affirmer, and he just he's so kind. And uh, you are going to you're you're, you're in for a huge treat. Uh, the President and CEO of Convoy of Hope Europe uh, for being a veteran missionary for over 35 years. Him and his wife not only are boots on the ground reaching people and developing teams and missionaries that are reaching the poorest of the poor and the impoverished and those that are just hopeless to uh, God has given them favor with prime ministers and dinners with kings. Uh, God is surely using their sphere of influence to make a huge difference across the globe here and in Europe. He's on a very tight schedule. In fact, he told me last night, yeah, I got to fly to Australia tomorrow. Like tonight, he's flying to Australia to meet with the government and some other leaders on having a convoy of hope make a bigger difference there in Australia. This guy, uh, he's Irish. Don't hold it against him. He's a phenomenal friend of this church and a friend of mine. Would you give a great big Timber Creek welcome to Michael McNamee? Better welcome. Thank you. Love you, bud. Amen. Praise God. Nobody in Texas should criticize my accent. <laughs> you guys can hardly talk yourselves. My God. I love this church. Your pastor, he's almost as good looking as me. This, this guy's a nice guy. <laughs> Timber Creek is getting to be known around the world. I, drew, I flew into Houston last night and drove up here. I thought it was going to be a little small town, a little small church. My heavens, what you're doing for God is absolutely incredible. 450 kids in Haiti 
are living because of you over the last two years. Over $100,000, almost $100,000 donations. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Thank you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. America, America is the greatest country in the world. Not just because 45 million Irish people live here. <laughs> Did you know that 17 American presidents had Irish blood in them? Did you know that? The rest of them are your fault. <laughs> America is great not because of its military might or power. America is great because this nation has been established on the freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some amongst you who are trying to take away your freedom. They're trying to make your kids listen to stuff that God doesn't want you to listen to. But we are here this morning to say no to them and yes to Jesus. We're here this morning to say when America gets too big for God, America will fall. But through the mist and through the storm, the star-spangled banner still flies this morning as a testimony to me and people like me that you still care. And on behalf of a world that desperately loves and needs you, God bless you and God bless America this morning. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I want to look at the book of Psalms. Say Psalms. No, Psalms. Say Holy Spirit. No, Spirit. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Say ashamed. You guys really talk funny. I mean, I don't You got problems. Heavenly Father, this morning we reach out and we touch the hem of your garment. People in this building this morning, their tears have stained this carpet. And the prodigal has still not come home. The marriage is still difficult. The parasite and the bones are twisted. The sickness is still with us, Lord God. But in the midst of our generosity to others, we pray, Lord God, you will touch us this morning. Do not walk on by, Lord God. We reach out and we touch you, Father. In your name, touch us, we pray. In your, oh, Lord, touch us. Help us to live up to what you want us to be, Lord God, in you. Psalms 2, verse 8. Say it. It. For crying out loud. There's problems here. The Lord says, Ask of me and I will make, make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the world your possession. The Lord has promised every single one of us regardless of how we look. I mean, look at me. Look at this. Look at this. This is not good. <laughs> I looked in the mirror this morning. Say mirror. mirror. Yes, you're right. They brought the baby Jesus a mirror, you know, gold frankincense in the mirror. <laughs> you're starting to believe me. I'm brainwashing you, seriously, just from this platform. And I, look at this. I wish I had hair like your pastor. McDonald's, but God looks at me and God likes what he sees. My wife doesn't, but God does. That <laughs> proves she is not God. And he loves you just as you are. We're living in an incredible time. I'm going to show you one slide here about transition. We're living in a time of transition. Transitions are often difficult. 
They're sometimes delicate, but they're always defining. Some people are completely terrified of change. Some are tolerant of it, and some thrive on it. America is changing as never before. Americans are turning their back on God. Americans are saying, no more will we give out to a world. They say, Yankee, go home. The Lord never asked us to give out to people because they loved us. But this church, Timber Creek Church, in the middle of nowhere, Lufton, Texas, where's Texas for crying out loud? I'm just joking with you. By the way, one-third of the people who died in the Alamo were Irish. I'm not talking about Santana's side. We tried to help you. We messed up. Davy O'Crockett or something like that. Davy O'Crockett. That was a joke. Forget it. Don't need your sympathy. I'm going to continue. Okay. You don't understand the word I'm saying anyway. Just guess. A woman came up to me after the first service and said, I didn't understand you, but I'm sure it was good. And right in the middle of this translation, this pastor and his leadership team, they're saying to you, we're not going to just change Lufton. We're not going to change Texas. We're going to change the world. And they bring in a tall, thin, good-looking Irish man. He couldn't come, so I came and said. And so we are going to touch the world. Think about that. Think about the fastness. The fastness fee. My fee's in there for the same. I went to a mechanic the other day, and I says, the fan. I had a mini fan, and the F-A-N had broken in the fan. I says, my fan is broken in my fan. He said, you have a fan in your fan? Hey, a small fan? It doesn't matter. And so the fastness. I'm killing myself here for nothing. I might as well go home right now. You're getting nothing from this. People are amazed. The doors are locked. You can't get out. So let's continue. The fastness of the vision. <laughs> that we can touch a world. We in this church can touch a world. Vision like what the pastor has can only come from God. This man has got together not to mess your lives up. He said, we can, win this, we can win this community. We can touch this community. We can touch this state. And we can touch a world. I love that. Because I've always wanted to change the world. I grew up in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Irish people love the world. They just don't like each other. Everybody loves the Irish people. We're magically delicious. I want to give you an impression. This is a human fit. This is just a little quiz here. What is this? Shamrock shake. I'll move along. And so, am I, am I wasting my time here? And so, I grew up as a Roman Catholic. I was a militant Catholic. There's been a war going on for 500 years, not by Christians, but by Protestants, Catholics. There's another terminology, Christians. Fighting over something so stupid, we can't even remember what it was. My father was a gun runner for a grilled army called the IRA. It's an Irish Republican army. It's a Catholic grilled army. There's also a Protestant grilled army. During the 30 years that I was involved in this, I wasn't involved for 30 years, but during that time, one person every 427 in Ireland were killed and wounded. My father was a gun runner, my grandfather. That's why I grew up underneath him. I, and he said to me, Michael, Protestants are no good. English are no good. Ireland must be Catholic. You must fight for me, you must avenge me. He'd spent five years locked up inside a cage for trying to assassinate somebody. 23 hours a day. And I grew up, I never talked to a Protestant. I thought all Protestants were weird. I later found out that's not totally true. I'll wait for the applause, it doesn't matter. And so moving along, 
<laughs> I'd never talked to a Protestant or an English person. When I was 16 years of age, I was approached by this group who asked me, would I join the youth movement of the IRA, which is a guerrilla army? I thought it was a freedom fighter army. And I said, yes. They brought me for training, and I ended up signing this piece of paper that says, I, John Mike, Joseph Michael McNamee, do hereby swear to kill as many Protestants as I can, to kill as many English people as I can. Even though the streets were red with blood, I would continue until Ireland was a Catholic country. Now, you look at me today and you say, how could you, what? Nobody ever told me about the love of Jesus. I thought it was a war. And so I entered this war, and they found out I was a good shot with a gun. And so they said, we can train you to be an assassin. Now, this all sounds very dramatic. It was a war, remember. That's so why I led these 10 young people, nine plus myself, and eight of them were killed. I found out something immediately. Even though I was fanatical about the cause, not everybody else was. I worked with sociopaths and murderers, and I couldn't get over this, because I actually believed we were in a war. Because I didn't realize one thing. From the moment we were born, every one of us, from Texas to Ireland, we were born with a spirit inside us that needs to be satisfied. Our spirit, we try to satisfy it with perversions and drugs and all sorts of stuff, but it can't be satisfied until our spirit joins with the spirit of God. I didn't know that. And so I continued year after year, this mess of my life and all these regions, like some untouchable butterfly. There was, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And people were dying. And then the IRA decided that we were going to put bombs everywhere. And I didn't like that because that meant we would kill our own people. But they said, it, it doesn't matter. We've got to bring this country to its knees. So they asked me to join the political party, and I would stand in front of university groups and, let's say, young people, give your life for Ireland. But I, I didn't really believe in it anymore. Then one day I just said, this is it. We're killing each other. I said, I'm at 27 years of age around about, and I said I was going to die. I sat on the side of my bed, and I said, I'm going to die. So they read a song about me. And I couldn't die. Like some actor in some cheap movie. I, was, I, I just couldn't die. And then Jesus of Nazareth walked into my life. I was working this dead-end job. It was a front for being a member of the school army. And one day I went to the place to work. I only did a couple of days a week. And everybody was talking. They said, there's a young girl that's just come in here. And I went, pfft. Lots of girls here. And just then the door opened and this young girl walked in with the boss. And I took one look at her and my life was changed. I mean, I went, wow. And she was introduced to me and I, I tried to be funny with her. And I said, hi. <laughs> it, it never works. And she looked at me and said, you've got a problem. I said, what, me? She said, yes, you need Jesus. I said, what? Are you a Protestant? She says, I'm a Christian. I said, well, I'm a Christian. She said, no, you're not. I'm going gonna, gonna to watch you. I watched her. Boy, did I watch her. <laughs> but in the midst of a war, girls, listen to this. She was different. I said, I'm going to do everything. I, I, I didn't know what. I knew one name in the Bible, Moses, so I called her Holy Moses. I tried to bring her down. She stood there untouchable, and she really got to me. And I was trying to die. And it's just, it's just, so one night, as our Irish people do, I went out to an Irish bar. 
and two of my friends to drink. And I was talking with this girl, and I said, wow, a girl? And I said, no, but she's different. And they said, ah, and she, they made me angry. So I got up to leave. What I didn't know was underneath the dance floor of this bar, which was small in this place, the IRA had put a bomb. My friends. Now, if you're friends with somebody and you know where they're going, you should never put a bomb where they are. Common. So I walked towards this place. I was so annoyed, these guys. As I walked towards the door, the place blew up around me. The door went over my head. I fell down the stairs. 70, 75 people were hurt. Nobody was killed. They were mutilated. People lost their limbs. I stood outside and the smell of cordite, the smell of the screaming, the yelling, the stuff. And I, so I was stood there and I was kind of lifted above my, and I looked down and somebody says, yeah, Ray did this. And I said, no, what? And I was law. I just, I, I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. I, was, I just couldn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. So I phoned the, the girl. And I said, well, I've got to go to the hospital. I lost 40% use of my left hand. I got cut. And then, you don't get this ugly naturally, you know. And she came to the hospital with me, and she says, my father's a preacher. I said, what's that? She said, well, he's having a meeting. I said, a meeting. She said, will you come tomorrow night? I said, okay. I don't know why. She smiled at me or something. I just, so next night, and I'm, I'm out of it. I'm 28 years of age almost. I'm out of it. I'm gone. Everything I believed in is gone. I'm not a freedom fighter. And she drove me to this place, Lurgan, 30 miles above Belfast. And I went into the place, and the weirdest people I've ever seen in my life look just like you. <laughs> Smiles, hey, hey, hey. I despised it. I sat at the back and I went, my heavens, what is this mess here? And the preacher, he was worse. It was her father. He stood up, he was about this size. White hair, glasses. Good looking guy. And he says, somebody died for you. And I went, I've seen people die. Jesus died for you. But no matter what you've done, he can clean you from the inside out. And I go, what? I had long hair and I started to sweat. My, in two seconds, I had an afro. <laughs> My hair went, and so moving on. And he says, if you want to come forward and know this Jesus, I, and I, 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 I wanted to go forward. And he says, you need to see a miracle. I said, what? You want to see a healing? I said, healing? I thought he was a doctor. I said, this guy's earning to make money. He's a preacher and a doctor at the same time. And they brought this girl forward about my age, and she was deaf and dumb from birth. And they prayed for her, some sort of stuff. I was weird and weird. And she screamed. I started running across the people that were running after her, and she, was, she could hear. I thought the world was going to end here. Hey, what is happening here? So I walked forward. And I said, I, don't, I, I want this. I don't know what it is, but I want it. And I, and I didn't like anybody. I hadn't cried in 15 years. I despised my parents. I despised weak people. I despised, and I, I despised people. 
And I said, make me love people. And they prayed for me. I, they, people came from everywhere. You know what it's like in church? I didn't, they pushed me and shoved me. I used to be seven feet tall. Look at the size of me. Now they're shoving me. And <laughs> years coming. At, at 30 minutes later, I'm different. I like, pe- I like English people. Margaret Thatcher was the Prime Minister of England at that time, and I despised her, and she's ugly. I was sort of emotionally attracted to her, and I said, God, did it work him. If you love Margaret Thatcher, that's God. I mean, I, I, I couldn't get over it. And the good-looking girl, she liked me. And she started bringing me around. She called it ministry. I don't know what that was. And she said, one day, we're going to do ministry to soldiers. And I went, huh? British soldiers, and she brought me to a place called the Hollywood Barracks, which is the largest British encampment in Northern Ireland, and I had led an attack against it the previous year. And she brought me into that place. And I went into the place I used to attack and tell soldiers I didn't like that God loved them and wasn't sure he did. <laughs> Weird. But the IRA found out I was going there. And they tried to assassinate me one Tuesday night. But the Saturday before the Tuesday night, the good-looking girl, I borrowed some money off her and bought her an engagement ring. Because God gives you wisdom. And they tried to shoot me, and I fled to England. And my wife came, the girl, my fiance, came across to study psychology because you knew what the future held. And I borrowed some more money off her. And we got married. And for our honeymoon, we came to Texas, Dallas. It was weird. I came to, that's where we learned to speak English. I, and, <laughs> but I'm left out one thing. When that girl came to that hospital to see me, I'd been there waiting six hours. And she brought me a sandwich. And that sandwich, as much as anything else, transformed my life. And now we've got two kids. And we went over to Portugal to work. And I, I'm fanatical. I want to die for Ireland. I want to live. I want people to have what I have. And so I would start churches. I would preach every single day. 365 days a year. And at the end of the year, I'd have 25 dysfunctional people. I went to Germany, 15 people. Anybody here, a German? Where would we be without humor? Germany. And so I went, and I said, I can't do this anymore. I want to change the world, and now I've got 25 people after. And I went to my wife, the one who led me to the Lord. She's now a qualified psychologist. Never marry a psychologist. (laughs) We no longer talk. She looks at me and takes notes. <laughs> I says, bro, I can't do this. I'm going to go to Africa. If you go to Africa, everybody gets healed and saved and set free. I'm going to go to Lufton, Texas. There's a big church there. I want to go, I want to, go to Latin America. If you say Jesus saves Latin America, I, and I like the way they dance. I was a bit of a river dancer. Did you see that? That must have been so... My daughter was here to go, ah, daddy, stop doing that. And so, 
And my wife said to me, you're called to Europe. Listen to your sermons. They're not that good, but listen to them. And I said, but I can't do this anymore. And I had met a guy called Hal Donaldson who'd started Convoy of Hope International in, Europe, in America. And I says, that hurt, by the way. I said, this. <laughs> Hold on, my, 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 the pain goes away. <laughs> I'm okay now. And so, I said, hang on. And we, we said, we'll present the gospel socially, physically, and spiritually. And we want this place in Albania. I said, let's go to places that no one else would go. It's impossible. With this place in Albania, and these refugees were living in atrocious conditions. I've never seen anything like it in my life. You think, you think there's no poverty in Europe? I'm giving you another set of convoy hope today. This place was infested by hundreds of rats. One of the things I despise most in the world is rats. And we went to this place, and they come to greet you. I mean, they're like friendly rats. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> nice face, nice tail. I mean, they're friendly. Because the people are so depressed and so down that they can't even kill them. And I said, God, what are we going to do? I want to tell you something. Next slide. We are stewards. We are not owners. Influence, not affluence, is what we should be interested in. Heavenly inheritance not earthly investment. And God creates opportunities, but he values obedience. This church believes we need to go to a place where there's rats and do something about it. Vision like this can only become reality as we're willing to dream his dreams. God has a dream this morning for this Timber Creek Church, not just for this community. This church can touch a world. The revival has got to start somewhere. Why not here? What we do for ourselves dies with us. What we do for others remains. It is immortal. So we started going to this place. We started, we brought in a team of young people from America. I love Americans. Some of them want to die for Jesus. I'm going to give them the opportunity. We killed over 400 rats the first day. I personally set an Irish record of 27 rats. And I hit them. We went into the place. There was 50 tons of garbage in one room. The toilets hadn't been cleaned for 10 years. I hit stuff like that. I hit, I hit. I hit it. I thought God would get somebody else to do it, and I would get the glory, but I had to do it. I got my rubber boots on and things, and then, 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 then masks. And, uh, 10 years of you know what inside this toilet. Up to here, and got rats swimming around. <laughs> ah! I don't want to do this. I looked around. This young girl, six, shorts, t-shirt, laughing at me, standing in the middle of this, no, no covering. I said, if she can do this. And they said, this guy, Doug Weber from Michigan, says, Michael, that's blocked. And I went, ah. ah. So I, was, I put my hand down and I unblocked it. And then a rat ran up my thing. 
We have a word in Ireland called the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> heebie-jeebies. Ah. But yet, yet, we took out 50 tons, American kids, of garbage. It's not a Sunday school room. The toilets are now new. The American, American, American missionary built a church there. Huge church building. Micro-enterprise. And since that Albanian thing, we've been in 50 countries, started over 70 churches, ministered 1.6 million people. We feed thousands of kids. Because what we do for ourselves dies with us. What we do for ourselves is immortal. Vision like this pastor has requires all of us. I love that. I used to be a sportsman, hard to look at it, but I was so small, I boxed. I had 36 fights, and I won seven of them. <laughs> you really think that's funny, don't you? <laughs> and I was always picked last. You know, <laughs> we'll have the one-legged girl come forward. She's in our team. <laughs> the blind dog's in our team. Michael, you go over there. But fishing, all of us, it's, God doesn't say, hey, hey, <laughs> you're not Irish. All of us. We, right, notice a difference in this country. When I first came to this country, oh, the sound like the stars playing, oh, say, can't you? That just was not the ball games. I mean, it was incredible. There's a difference here. Our TV has become perverted, the newspapers. We cannot, listen, like, we cannot allow the focal minority to dominate the desired direction of the convinced majority. We got to stand up for the basics. We got to stand up for what America's proud of. The value of the vision. The value of the vision. We woke up two years ago and there were two million refugees walking across Europe. Unbelievable. We started working in a refugee camp. We worked in a refugee camp three miles from Paris, France. One of the most affluent countries in the world. 9,000 refugees coming from places like Eritrea, closed places like Syria. No tents, no food. The French didn't care. The French surrounded them. Do whatever you want. Trying to get across to England every night, jumping on cars and, and trucks. When I walked into that camp, they were given food, almost the Muslims, that they couldn't even eat. Through convoy of hope and money from America. It could have been a church. We fed them, we clothed them. Muslims love their kids. I noticed there were 17 mosques in that camp. So Convoy of Hope opened up the first evangelical church in the camp in a tent. Last Christmas Eve, out of 9,000 people in that camp, 1,400 came to our service. 1,400. One month later, when I was in Holland, they phoned me and they said they're closing the camp. And I rushed over to the camp overnight, driving overnight, went to the camp. 500 young kids under the age of 12 left. They went over to England the next day. Burning, smell. I saw the police mowing down our tent. They didn't touch the, the mosques. And I sat in the rock and I said, God, why did you close it? He says, Michael, France has turned against me. Secularism. But these refugees who came from places... Do you know that 10,000 kids went missing during that six months? Stolen by traffickers, dying, went missing. Some guy lost his wife 
his kids, raped and stolen. He was put in prison. They died in their thousands, drowned, traffickers. And God says, these refugees who accept the Lord, Syrians, Eritreans, are now all across France, which has turned against me, leading French people to the Lord. It was my plan all along. If you, the folly of the vision, the folly of the vision, if you really want to do something, you will find a way, and if you don't, you will find an excuse. I'm going to move quickly. I'm going to tell a different story that I did in the first service. We get one life to live. I'm sorry, you're not going to be die and be resurrected as a leprechaun. It's a myth. It's St. Patrick's Day. I go to the hospital as a minister and I see people dying all the time. Not one dying person has ever said to me, I wish I'd have given less. I wish I'd have loved less. I wish I'd have given less money to feed one. Here's my slide in that one. The pain of discipline giving wears ounces. The pain of regret weighs tons. You can stand with me in a refugee camp. In the place in Syria two years ago, ISIS walked into this village. They said all Christians come to the center of the square. Sonia will call her, walk with her husband, her mother, her brother, and two kids. Isis looked at them and said, we do not believe in Jesus, do you? She said, yes. If you don't turn your back on Jesus in 15 seconds, they said no. They took her husband and they de decapitated him. They decapitated her mother and her brother. They brought in the army of rapists. They pointed at the woman, Sonia. Her son dove across her. And they let her go. I don't know idea. She fled with her two kids, traumatized. She made her way across Europe to Bulgaria, where Convoy of Hope is working, thanks to an American church. We have the Convoy of Hope Oasis Center where we feed children and clothe them. And just right now, there's a church service, and Syrian refugees and Sonia and her two kids are hearing about, more about the Lord in that refugee center right now because Convoy of Hope fed a few kids. My last slide, my last story. Kindness is a language that the deaf can hear and the blind can see. I've been to El Salvador, Haiti, Nicaragua, Africa. I've been to 106 countries. I've seen kids trafficked, abused, and you talk to them, I'm a man. They've never trusted a man in their life. I feed them and clothe them. The light goes on in their eyes. Men have been called not to be predators, but to be protectors. I've got one story which is going to last five minutes. It's a story I didn't tell this morning. Just hold on for one second. Can you hear then the cries of the lost? Different colors, different creeds, lost in their sickness and sin. We can make a difference. I lived in Portugal for 10 years. I got a phone call one day from Korea. And a young man from Korea was watching television and he saw Angola on TV, which was a Portuguese province. And he says, I want to call, I want to go to Angola. Just watching TV. He said to his wife, we're going to, we're going to Angola. Korean wife, she said yes. My wife wouldn't have said yes. 
We, we, we should marry cranes, guys. They say yes to everything. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Whatever you want, husband. That's another story. Let's go on. So he phoned me and he says, I want to come to Portugal. And I says, why are you going to Angola? He says, well, no, I want to learn Portuguese. He can hardly speak English. And so we said, I said, yes. Six months later, he arrived at the airport in Portugal. That's say two big suitcases. Hardly speak English. He walked into my life, went to our Bible school. I found out immediately he was a man of God. I taught some stub subject. I always give him a nay, even though he didn't answer anything, because I said, he, he talks to God. God tell him I give him a nay. He said to me, what's the worst place in Portugal? I says, Quinta de Lanza. It's a place where 97% of all drugs in Portugal are bought and sold. I brought them there. Men walk about with syringes sticking to their body. Young girls at 20 with no teeth. HIV positive. Somebody's daughter. He was touched. Chung was his name. He says, I want you to come back to the Bible school. We give him some food. He says, you've got a brush. And I said, oh, a brush. We give him a brush. He went back to the Bible. After the Bible every day, he went to, went to this place, this, this camp. He gave him out food. And he brushed. He brushed. The sexual stuff, the syringes. He brushed them. He brushed them. He brushed them. Hi. Jesus, love. I'm just not worried. Hi, hi. What are you? He did it for weeks. They're going, wow, he brushed it, brushed it. One day he said, I'll extend my ministry. He didn't say it. He said, he asked me for some plastic bags. And I went, okay. Give him some plastic, plastic bags. And he started putting the syringes in the plastic bags and bring them back to our Bible school. Put them in the dump. Boom. But he's a man of God. One day he said to me, have you any, Michael? And every time he talked to me, I was scared of him. Because I didn't, you know, he's a man of God. He says, Michael, have you any shoo-shoo? And I'm going, huh? He says, shoo-shoo. And I'm going, oh, God, please help me. Give me the interpretation or you don't kill me, Lord. Shoo shoo. I said, shoo shoo, shoo shoo, shoo shoo. And he went to a window and he went like this. Shoo shoo. Window cleaner. Every time I go to the supermarket and I say, get some window cleaner, get some shoo shoo, bro, for the windows. Shoo shoo. Brush. Plastic bag. Shoo shoo. And he went to the place where these prostitutes live. He's feeding them, he's feeding them. We're getting money from America and he's, he starts cleaning the windows. They're not, they're not. They're not really windows, he just clean and he's hi brush brush said. And one day he's brushing and he's cleaning and he cleaned this one. She's shooting and he looks in, there's a woman, young girl, somebody's daughter lying on the ground of the mattress. She says, Oh, oh deed. He pushes the door because no lot and he carries her out and he, he puts her on the ground. She's no teeth, she's twenty years of age, she's she's selling herself for dimes. And he shouts, and, but nobody, no, nobody, nobody goes to this camp. But there's an American team there. God bless America. And there's a nurse, and the nurse gives her something. And he leaves her, and he, he comes back to the Bible school, and he says, Miguel, Michael, he says, do you have any shampoo? And I says, yes. Next day, he goes back with the shampoo. And the girl's still lying there, and he gets some water. And... He, 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 he takes her hair, which is filthy, and, and he shampoos her hair. And he sings to her in Korean. He shampoos her hair. For the next five months before he goes to Angola, he shampoos girls' hair. And he talks. They, just, they don't understand what he's saying. And he buys them clothes. And, and he carries guys with syringes. And they, some of them die. And he... he he prays with them. 
And he goes to Angola where he has a church of 2,500 and a school of 3,500 and he doesn't speak a language and CBN are doing a, his life story. But when we, four months later, opened up a church in that refugee camp, because of him, 750 people came to the first service. I want to ask you a question. Can you, can you wash a prostitute's hair? Or has life become too? Are you above that now? I have nowhere else to go. I'm not an American. Can you hear them? I live in filth my, most of my life. I'm asking you. I'm not trying to manipulate I'm asking you. Your desire will determine your destiny. But your desire today will determine our destiny. Give, feed one. This man wants to feed a thousand kids in Haiti. Help him. And through the mist and through the storm, the star-spangled banner still flies as a testimony to people like me that you care. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless Timber Creek Church. May the Lord bless this pastor. And from the bottom of my heart, this is Marty. May the Lord bless the United States of America. Thank you. What started with a conversation with a girl that led to a sandwich, the tangible love that leads to helping people all across the world. Thank you, Michael, and sharing your stories. And, you know, nobody should feel obligated today, but I do hope you feel compelled. Uh, this is the third time now on the Sunday before Thanksgiving when we will spend most families on an average Thanksgiving meal a whole lot more than $10 reason we do this is uh, we also had bags by the bumper this morning. We're helping those right in our backyard and Feed One is something that we're doing to help those that we may never meet, but that God has compelled us to, to, to help in a very tangible way. If we can put food in the mouths of these children, they'll stay in school. If they stay in school, they can graduate. If they can graduate, they have a better chance at breaking that 80% unemployment rate. If they can break that and they can provide for their own family, the, the cycle of poverty can be broken. Convoy of Hope is helping with that, and you have been helping. And so since 2015, we've done so much. But I want to draw you to the scripture. We're going to prayerfully reflect on what God has spoken to us today, and then we're going to receive these cards together. But I take you to the scripture in Leviticus 23, and it says it like this. When you harvest your fields, God says, don't cut the grain at the edges of the fields. And do not go back to cut the heads of grain that were left. The Lord goes on to say, leave those corners for poor people and foreigners. The Lord is your God. And since 2015, we have been feeding 450 children every single day. 
that amounts to over 294,000 meals. We've given over half a million dollars to mission initiatives in the last two years, not including the 100 as of the end of December, we will have been given $100,000 to feed one just from the corners of our fields. That this is not the all in. We don't ask for extra offerings at our church. We're in a season where the, the, the offering is what is provided. We don't ask for special offerings. This is the one thing that we've been doing over the last several years and will continue to do so outside of all one because it's like setting your Netflix account. It, it's like having a monthly subscription to Hulu and you're able to provide 30 meals for a child for $10 a month. What I'm going to ask you to do at this time is just take the, the, uh, the packet there and pull out your, uh, your card, the Feed One card. Looks like this on the front, Mother Teresa, uh, where, where Convoy got the statement Feed One was from an from a interview that was done with Mother Teresa. And uh, somebody was saying, I want to I wanna feed thousands of kids. And she said, if you can't feed a hundred, just feed one. And it just starts like that. And on this side, if you'll take a look at, at this side, uh, you can see that every $10 feeds one child. And I'd encourage you that depending on your corners of your fields uh, to trust God and put him first and taking those corners and helping. We've already done bags by the bumper. We do things all around the community. This is, this is our one initiative for children uh, and feeding them across the globe. You can fill that out and you would put your credit card information. I want to tell you that, that we have some people that uh, are supporting 100 children a month through Timber Creek Church. And others that, are, that would just gave a, a small offering in their envelope because they, they couldn't do the $10 a month right now, they felt. And um, that's your story. You decide for you what you'll do. You know, Janet and I started with 10 kids a month. Uh, not just Janet and I, our kids too. They give towards Feed One. It's our credit card, but they uh, help support that. Then last year we moved to 12, and I told the first service we were going to 13, but when I went down there and, and sat down with Janet, she's crying. She's like, well, take it to 15. And I said, okay, okay. She's, she's better than I am uh, on that. And so, you know, we're going to support for this next year 15. If you've already been supporting Feed One and you want to keep it just the same as it is, you don't have to fill this card. You don't, you don't have to fill it out. It will continue to go monthly. Um, if you need to update your information, for example, my wife and I are putting our investment on this onto a different credit card that will be charged monthly. You'll want to update your information and just write that down. Uh, but fill it out. Put them back in the envelope. We'll receive those as a benediction to our service in just a few moments. And then we collect those and we pack them up. We send them uh, overnight. They are collected by Convoy of Hope. They're shredded. It's completely safe, completely secure. And as I said to you this morning, I, 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 don't, I don't just present a bunch of opportunities to this church. I really hone down and, and want to vet those that I can trust. And I trust Convoy of Hope. I trust Michael. I trust that whole team. We're friends and we've been partnering with them for some time. So as the band uh, begins to play this song, I want to give you about three minutes uh, to, to pray over this, to find a pen, to fill this in, or, or to do nothing with it. You're not obligated. Nobody's twisting your arm. But I would say, just to go along with what Michael said, it's amazing how kindness is, is so powerful that the deaf can hear it, the blind can see it, we're asking on this Thanksgiving Sunday, consider giving to Feed One. 
in 10 years, I believe we're going to be given to 1,000 children a month. We're at 450. We can make it, and it's going to take all of us, not just a few of us. So prayerfully consider what God would have you do. Pastor Stephen.
stand with us this morning? We're going to do two things. We're going to pray, and then we're going to hand our, our uh, Feed One cards. We're going to hand them towards your left. And uh, we'll do that in just a moment. But I've asked Janet to just join me. And the same way we pray over a meal, we're not just praying over lunch today. We're actually praying over a year's worth of meals for 450 plus kids, if not over 500. And so would you pray with us over these meals that are going to bless so many families and so many children. Janet, would you lead us in prayer? Jesus, thank you. Thank you that Convoy of Hope has introduced us to these precious children. God, I pray for these children in Haiti, that Lord, that that as they as they begin get healthier because of this food, God, that you would touch their hearts. Lord, as they touch their bellies, God, that they would come to know you as their personal Savior. Lord, that they would be able to grow up, be moms and dads, functioning well. God, I pray that the the, the town would become self-sufficient over the next several years. God, that you would do a miracle and that you would use us as a small part in that miracle. God, thank you for the opportunity. We pray for these children. You know each one of them by name. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you'd take that packet and just hand it all the way to your left inside your, your row. Everybody just take it and pan, hand it over to the left. It's in the envelope. And then, guys, if you'll pick, take the wheelbarrows down each aisle, and we're going to drop these in. As they're doing that, let's sing this one more time. Stephen, with everything, let's sing that one more time. Come on, guys.